This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you and welcome to the show. The star of tonight's first show reminds me of a somewhat early version of David Letterman, certainly in his formative years as host of his own late-night show. He had the ability to skewer guests, political leaders, and even his own sponsors. I think he must have listened to Fred Allen, who exhibited all those traits and then some. A master ad-libber, Allen often tangled with his network executives that often barbed them over the air, while developing routines whose style and substance influence fellow comic talents, including Groucho Marx, Stan Freeberg, Henry Morgan, even Johnny Carson. As a teenager, he worked at the Boston Public Library, where he discovered a book about the origin and development of comedy. He also took up juggling. Some library co-workers planned to put on a show and asked him to do a bit of juggling in some of his comedy. When a girl in the crowd said, you're crazy to keep working here at the library, you ought to go on stage. Well, Alan decided right then and there his career path was set. So at the age of 20, in 1914, he took a job with a local piano company. In addition to his library work, he appeared at a number of amateur night competitions, soon taking the stage named Fred St. James and booking with the local vaudeville circuit. Hey, he did all right, 30 bucks a week. Enough at that time to allow him to quit his jobs at the library and the piano company. Eventually, he became Freddie James often billing himself as the world's worst juggler. In 1922, I found this fascinating. Allen commissioned comic strip artist Martin Branner to cover a theater curtain with an elaborate mural painting depicting a cemetery with a punchline on each gravestone. This was the Old Joke Cemetery, where overworked gags go to die. In Allen's act, the audience would see the curtain and have several minutes to read its 46 punchlines, before Alan made his entrance, and audiences typically would be laughing as the curtain opened when Alan made his appearance. He used a number of gimmicks in his changing act from a ventriloquist dummy to juggling to singing. One recurring bit was to read a purported letter from home with material such as the following, The man next door has bought pigs. We got wind of it this morning. So let's uh, see what's up Alan's Alley and the rest of the show as we enjoy a show by Fred. And here we go, Alan's Alley on Zoom Radio. The Ford Dealers of America present the Fred Allen Show. The Fred Allen Show with Fred's guest, a friend of nature boys named Jack Benny. Fulton Hoffa, Minerva Pius, Peter Donald, Parker Fenley, the DeMarco sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And this is Kenny Delmar speaking for your friendly Ford dealer. If you haven't yet seen the car of the year, the one and only new car in its field, 
By all means, ask your Ford dealer to show you the 49 Ford tomorrow. that I haven't been here the last few weeks to introduce our star, but tonight I'm back. And here I am again, Portland Hopper. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. In Portland, where where have you been the last six weeks? Well, I have to stay home with Mama. Oh, really? Why? Mama lost a fortune. How? Every Sunday, Mama sat home and they didn't call her. Who didn't call her? Stop the music. <laughs> oh, how, uh... <laughs> you can do better. You're just feeling them out. I... <laughs> how come you're, uh... <laughs> How come you're out tonight? Well, Mama got a sitter. Oh, a babysitter? No. They have sitters for Stop the Music. No kidding. Mm-hmm. If you want to go out... The sitter answers the phone and sits with the $18,000 until you get home. uh, They're the Lever Brothers again. Thank you, boy. (laughs) Say, if you were... Say, that's... uh, That's uh, that's some profession, a quiz sitter. Oh, everybody's listening to Stop the Music. Oh, I know that. According to the latest Hooper survey, the only one who listens to our program is Edgar Bergen. (laughs) And even he's gone away, so tonight we're just... Radio programs today are giving everything away. I know. Radio is the Marshall Plan with music. <laughs> the slogan of the quiz program is, if you can't entertain people, give them something. <laughs> just don't waste their time. Have them hanging around if nothing happens. You should change the name of this program to stop the comedy and yeah. give away new Fords. I should uh, change it to stop the comedy. <laughs> See, that's not a bad idea. Well, Portland, this is our last program for the summer. Is this the last time you'll mention Jack Eigen? Yes, it looks that way. <laughs> if there's anything, there's Mr. Eigen. Thank you, Mr. Eigen. In case we call on him for a personal appearance later, you know. If there's anything you'd like to say since this is our last program, you know, before we finish. Well, I have some things that you cut out during the winter. Oh, really? What things? I had a song. What was the title of the song? When they find out about phenobarbital in Tennessee, it'll be sleepy time down south. (laughs) I can't imagine why I cut that out. And I had some jokes. Really? What, uh, what jokes? What was about the man who ate nothing but radishes for 20 years? Ate radishes for 20 years? In his old age, he went down to Long Island and lived on the sound. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, what what are you laughing at? Well, to me, that's very funny. Really? Well, if you ever came up before a juvenile jury for telling that joke, you would get 30 days in the playpen. Say, <laughs> it's getting late, Portland. I think I'd better start for Alan's Alley. What is your question tonight? Well, this is our last program. I'm just going down to the alley and say goodbye to our friends and to ask them where they sp- plan to spend their vacations this summer. Shall we go? As the chorus girl said when the bee lit on her skin, I think I'll shake a leg. <laughs> What a night in Allen's Alley, Portland. The front of Senator Claghorn's fence is gone. He must have given somebody the gate. 
Oh, well, let's, uh, let's see if the senator's in. Somebody, I see somebody whap my watches. Oh, it's you, son. Yes, senator. Well, let's go, son. I'm busier than an Arthur Murray hostess trying to teach a pupil with St. Vitus dance. You're busy? Yeah, I've been over to Philadelphia attending that Republican convention. Oh. I ain't seen so much hot air since the night I opened the wrong door in that Turkish bath. <laughs> what about the Republican candidate, Senator? Well, uh, Dewey ain't never going to get little old Harry out of the White House. Who says so? Petrillo says so. Petrillo? <laughs> Nobody can take no piano player off of no job unless Petrillo says so. I imagine you saw some amusing sidelights at the convention, Senator. Yeah, I enjoyed one incident. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, Senator? Well, one day my hat blew into a saloon. I stepped in to get it. A man was sitting at the bar asleep. Yeah? As I picked up my hat, the man woke up. He looked up at the television. Herbert Hoover was making a speech. Yeah? A man blinked his eyes and said, If Hoover is president, what am I doing with three dollars in my pocket? <laughs> Well, this is our last visit together. What are you going to do this summer? I'm going to the beach, son. I see. I'm going to put on my bathing suit. Yes? I'm going to sprawl out on that hot sand. Yeah? And then I'm going to do what all our senators do all the rest of the year in the Senate. What? Just keep lying. So long, son. So long, Eddie. Long, long, well, when the senator gets sprawled out, there'll be something new under the sun. Oh, well, let's, uh, let's wake up Mr. Moody. Howdy, bub. <laughs> well, Mr. Moody, are you going away for a vacation? Oh, I can't. I'm renting my barn for summer theater. Oh. <laughs> Last summer, I cleaned up. Made $180. $180. Well, what happened? Well, sir, one day I was out in the yard. Yeah? I was buttering the trees so caterpillars couldn't crawl up them. <laughs> Yeah? And a fellow comes up. Yeah? He's carrying a bamboo cane, and in his tie, he's got a diamond. A diamond, eh? Yeah. It's as big as a Luton cough drop, and it's about the same yellow color. <laughs> yeah? I smelt donuts on this fellow's breath, so I knowed he was an actor. <laughs> yeah? He says, he says, Rube... I'm here to rent your barn for Orson Buskin and his touring Shakespearean players. Uh-huh. It's a deal, I says. Oh, he was the advance man. He didn't say. Oh, he didn't say. <laughs> the next day, Orson Buskin, his leading lady, Anna Cesario... Yeah. ...and the Shakespearean players arrived in town. They swung off a freight train. The, uh... <laughs> the actors, eh? Yeah. They looked like a mob that had just broke a hunger strike. I see. Well, sir, that night the show opened. It's Hamlet. Hamlet. All the Shakespearean actors is wearing long black underwear. Tights? Loose on most of them. <laughs> oh. The leading ladies was baggy. Oh. <laughs> In the back. Oh. Orson Buskin is strutting around the stage holding a skull and saying... Alas, poor Boric, I knew him well. Well, how was the show? Rotten. <laughs> the audience threw 200 eggs at the actors. Well, if the show was so bad the audience threw eggs, how did you make $180? I was in the lobby selling the eggs at 90 cents a dozen. So long. <laughs>
With, with 200 eggs, Mr. Moody could lay on with McDuff. Oh, well, let's, let's try this next door. Happy, Jeffy. Ah, oh, Mrs. Nussbaum. Oh, you're wearing a corsage. What are those flowers? Lilies of the alley. I see. In the center is a nasty urchin. Oh, the, uh, the nasty urchin looks pretty. My little niece is graduating Mrs. Buxbaum's Finishing Academy. Oh, and you're dressed up? You went to the graduation? My niece is valedictorio. Oh, swell. She's reciting a poem. What was her class poem? She's calling it Ever Onward. Ever Onward. How does it go? Fare thee well, Mrs. Buxbaum's Finishing Academy. You lined us all that we are knowing. Yeah. Never backwards, sideways, up or downwards, but ever onwards we are going. Say that. <laughs> well, tell me, Mrs. Nussbaum, where are you going on your vacation this year? No place. No? Last year, we are stopping by Kramer's Castle in the Catskills. And uh, you're not going back? Pierre is gaining 90 pounds. 90 pounds? How come? By Kramer's, when it is time to eating, they are blowing a bugle. A bugle, huh? The first day the bugle is blowing, we are eating breakfast. Uh-huh. Barely we are sitting on the veranda. Yeah. Again is blowing the bugle. Yeah. <laughs> we are going back, also eating again breakfast. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're coming out, again is blowing the bugle. You ate again? All day long is blowing the bugle. <laughs> and you and Pierre? Three breakfasts. Two lunches with four dinners we are eating. And this kept up? Every day. So soon we are finished eating. Toots is blowing the bugle. Again, <laughs> we are having to eat it. Well, isn't that unusual? Kramer's Castle serving so many meals a day? Ultimately, they are discovering. Discovering what? Who is blowing the bugle is not Kramer. Well, who? <laughs> who then? In back of Kramer's castle in the Catskills... Yes? ...is living a Boy Scout, thank you. <laughs> now, for the last time, let's call on Mr. Cassidy. Mr. Cassidy, you were... Uh... Oh, Mr. Cassidy, you have a black eye. I have that. I look as though my eyeball is passing through a total eclipse. Tell me, who gave you the peeper? Sure, nobody gave it to me. I had to fight half an hour to get it. What, uh, what happened? Well, yesterday, you see, I was invited to a wedding. Yeah? Knocko Nolan's homely daughter married Mullet Muldoon's half-witted nephew. Oh, yes, <laughs> This was some affair. At the wedding breakfast, I was suddenly taken frosty. Yeah? So says I to Knocko, I'll take a little punch. Uh-huh. With that, Knocko rolls up his sleeve and gives it to me. <laughs> well, Mr. Cassidy, are you and your eye going away for your summer vacation? Uh, now, why should I go away? What have they got any place else that we haven't got here in New York? Well, they have water. Sure, we got sewers backing up on every street in the city. <laughs> Well, they have scenery. Me front window overlooks a brewery. You can't find scenery any finer than that. Well, that's true. Ah, uh, when the sun slowly sinks behind the big pile of steaming malt in the brewery yard, tis a picture Fitzpatrick will never show you in a travelogue. But, but how can you escape the intense heat here in New York? Well, no, I, I, I do what Rinty Monahan does. What? 
But when the heat gets about, Rinty can't stand it. Yes? Rinty starts insulting Grogan the cop. Insulting him? I'm saying insulting him how? Well, Rinty yells at Grogan, Ah, your grandfather is gargantuan. Yes? Then he yells, Your aunt sleeps with her eyes open. Yeah? <laughs> and for the clincher, he yells, Ah, your mother wears army shoes. <laughs> well, wait this. Grogan the cop gets mad. Naturally. But how does Rinty escape the heat? Grogan calls the wagon. Yes. And rushes Rinty off to the municipal deep freeze. The municipal deep freeze? The cooler. The Vikings. Oh. <laughs> now for their farewell joint appearance, the five DeMarco sisters and Maestro Al Goodman blend their talents to bring us fellow with an umbrella. Fred. Yes, Kenny? There's a policeman outside to see you. A policeman to see me? Well, why should a policeman... Shh, here he comes, Fred. You Fred Allen? Well, yes, officer. You work for the Ford dealers, don't you? Yes, officer. Allen, you got to stop talking about the new Ford car. You're violating the law. It's against the law to talk about the new Ford? You're causing crowds to congregate. Crowds? What crowds? All day there's crowds in front of that Ford dealer's window on Broadway. Oh, uh, don't worry about crowds blocking traffic in front of a Ford dealer's showroom officer. It's happening all over the country. Never mind all over the country. You got to get rid of them crowds on Broadway. But officer, that dealer is displaying the new 49 Ford. There never was a car like this before. It's new and revolutionary in its field. The new Ford is a big, roomy car, safer and more economical to operate. And it hits a new high and smooth, comfortable ride. Don't give me no commercials. Yeah, but officer, the new Ford... The new Ford is the talk of the automobile trade. It has the look of the year. In fact, it's the car of the year. You can't blame everyone for wanting to see it. I'm not blaming nobody. Just get rid of them crowds. Why, officer? I want to have a look at that new Ford myself. <laughs> Say, uh, Portland, Portland. Yes? We've got to get busy. This is our last program of the season at NBC, you know. I, I know. And as soon as we finish, I'll sweep out the studio. Yes, and give the broom back to the vice president in charge of brooms on, on the next floor. <laughs> and you know what else you have to do? Yes, I have to wipe off the acoustics. Yes, have the acoustics good and dry when we leave. Pick up any racing forms the musicians leave behind. <laughs> and any polish, turn them right over to me. And when the program is over, if anybody... 
everybody in the audience is sleeping. Yes. I'm to wake them up and tell them to go home until October. Right. Well, I guess that's everything, Portland. I'll say goodbye to you now. Have a nice vacation. I'll see you in the fall. Oh, are you going now? Yes, I have to. Jack Benny's sailing for England. I promised to see Jack off. I bought him this travel book. Look, Fielding's new travel guide to Europe. Say, it's late, Portland. I better start for Jack's hotel. So long, Portland. Ah, this must be the Benny Suite. There's a do-bill sticking out under the door. I wonder if old Tacit Pockets is in. Oh, hello, friend. Jack Benny. Well, uh, well, Jack. Come on in, Fred. I'm packing. Oh, packing. Go right ahead. Sit down. Like something to drink? Uh, no, thanks. Coke, 7-Up, Crown Cola? No, no. I'm closing them out. They're only four cents a bottle. Four cents? With two straws. Two straws? Yeah, if you buy a bottle, I'll join you, and I hope you do. Sam Thirsty. No, no, Jack. I just came over to say goodbye. Why, I thought you'd be all packed. No, and I've been riding around in the subway all day. Why? It was my last chance. Last chance in the subway? Next Thursday, the fare goes up to 10 cents. I'm riding while the price is right, brother. But, Jack... Ten cents for a subway ride. Well, I didn't do it. If Ralph Edwards hadn't made me the walking man, this would have done it. (laughs) I better finish packing, you know? Well, look, as you're packing, you can't pack this bathing suit, Jack. Look, it's still wet. I know. And what about this little package here? Oh, that's a carton of Lucky Strikes. I bought them in New Jersey, you know. Oh? Well, why go all the way to Jersey to buy a carton of cigarettes? Oh, it's a nice trip. Besides, I saved 24 cents tax there. (laughs) Well, how could you save 24 cents? It cost 20 cents to get to Jersey and back on the ferry. I didn't go on the ferry. Well, how did you get across the Hudson River? Give me that bathing suit. I'll ring the... Jack, be careful. One sleeve and the skirt are still dripping. Well, that's the the trouble with these Annette Kellerman models. I told Annette the day she gave it to me. Annette, I said, if you can keep it from dripping, you can make a fortune. Hey, I, I just remember, Jack, I brought you this book. Here, Fielding's New Travel Guide to Europe. Thanks, Fred, but I've got my trip all planned. Oh, where are you going to stay in England? Well, Ronnie and Benita Coleman recommended a place they said I'd like. Yeah? His Majesty's Trailer Camp. (laughs) It's run by Sir Herbie Harrison. Sir Herbie? Uh, He's the Howard Johnson of England. (laughs) Well, you're all set. Where else are you going? Well, I may fly over to France for a week or two of, uh, parlez-vousing. Yeah? (laughs) Have you, uh, have you got a place to stay in France? Yeah, you see, Charles Boyer gave me an address. Oh, a French trailer camp? No, it's Hildegard's aunt. Oh. <laughs> she rents rooms in the Eiffel Tower. Oh, Hildegard. <laughs> in, the, uh, in the Eiffel Tower? How are you going to get around? Do you speak French? Oh, I'm learning. I'm learning, Fred. We. Oui. We? Oui? That means us in French. <laughs> No 
No kidding. Yeah, listen to this, Fred. Ki akashe le rosignol suma peit kit. Oh, boy, do you rattle it off. <laughs> that's a what? That's all French. Now, what does that mean in English? Who is hiding the nightingale under my strudel? <laughs> well, won't, uh, won't that be a difficult sentence to work into a conversation? <laughs> no, 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 no. You see, I'm carrying a nightingale with me. Oh, <laughs> Strudel, I can get any place. <laughs> well, look, Jack, it's time to go. With my luck, that's the bellboy. Come in. Uh, are you ready to check out, Mr. Benny? Yes, boy, you can take my bag. Well, how about the tip, Mr. Benny? The tip? You haven't carried my bags down yet. I mean for carrying them up four days ago. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I'll settle the whole thing in the lobby. May have to break an annuity. <laughs> the dents will be surprised. <laughs> Oh, come on, come on, Jack. Boy, don't squeeze that paper bag. It's my nightingale. Come on. Well, the lobby's... The lobby's empty. Jack, let's go over to the desk. You can check out. Okay, say, clerk. Oh, yes, Mr. Benny. Here's your bill. Thank you, clerk. I'll just check these items over oh, here. Oh, come on, Jack. It's getting late. I'll just be a minute, Fred. Let's see. I got my magnifying glass here. Let's see. <laughs> clerk, what is my total bill? Uh, $43.80. Mr. Benny has fainted. Yeah, he fainted the last time he was here. He's got to make that boat, clerk. Bellboy, carry these bags and Mr. Benny out to the cab. Boy, put Mr. Benny down until his bill is paid. <laughs> but, clerk, Mr. Benny's unconscious. Then go through Mr. Benny's pockets and get the money. Well, all right. Oh, shoot. What's wrong? His pockets are locked. <laughs> Boy, put Mr. Benny in the safe until he comes through. But he'll miss the boat, clerk. I'll pay the bill. It's $43.80. Here you are. Thanks. Boy, you carry Mr. Benny's bags. I'll carry Mr. Benny and his nightingale. Well, Jack, here's your boat. Yes, sir. The Queen Beulah. <laughs> I've heard of the Queen Mary and the Queen Elizabeth. Well, this is a sister ship. The Queen it? Beulah? Yeah, she's really a stepsister. Oh, a step. <laughs> Say, this man coming with the wet anchor, he must be the captain. Ahoy, mates! Welcome to the Queen Beulah. Shiver me timbers, I'm glad to have you aboard. Well, I'm not sailing, Captain. I'm seeing Mr. Benny off. Uh, very well, I'll check your passport, Mr. Benny. Here you are. Mm. Something wrong? Well, this picture. <laughs> well, Captain, you know, passport pictures. But this is a shrunken up old bloke with no hair and no teeth. But, uh... I can't accept this passport, Mr. Benny. This picture ain't you. But, Captain... Jack, you want to get to England, don't you? Yes. You better take off your toupee. <laughs> All right. There you are, Captain. Well, that takes care of the scalp. Jackie. Yes? You better take out your teeth. <laughs> okay. How's that, Captain? Well, now you resemble the picture, Mr. Benny. You're a shrunken up old bloke. All the embarrassing things. I bet Lana Turner didn't go through all of this. <laughs> Jack, Jack, quit complaining. It's your own fault. Where was the picture taken? Warner Brothers. They do it to me every time. <laughs> all right now, Mr. Benny, if you'll give me your ticket, I'll show you to your cabin. 
My ticket? Uh, yes. Maybe you, maybe you put it in your stocking with your money. No, no, I'm wearing liquid stocking. Oh, it can't be. <laughs> well, don't, don't bother looking, sir. I'll just check the list. Now, you're traveling first class, Mr. Benny. First class? Yes. Well, not exactly, is he? Oh, if you're going second class, that's three flights down. Okay, Fred, take my luck. Right, Jack, I've got everything. It's down these stairs. Say, Jack, this package under my left arm, it seems to be getting bigger. It's probably unfolding. It's a deck chair. (laughs) You brought your own deck chair? You know, they rent them here, you know. (laughs) Say, who is this woman coming up the stairs? She's blowing up water wings there. Can I help you, gentlemen? I'm the matron, second class. Oh, will you show Mr. Benny to his cabin? May I see your ticket, Mr. Benny, please? My ticket? Don't bother. I'll check your name. You're sailing second class? Well, not exactly second class. Oh, third class. That's three flights down. Thank you. It's down here, Fred. Just follow me. Jack, I don't get it. A guy with your money can certainly afford to travel first or second class. Fred, I may be a lot of things, but there's one thing I'll never be. What's that? A snob. A snob. A snob? When I travel, I like to be with people. Well, if you go any lower, you'll be with fish. Well, I think we're in third class now. Gosh, I'm going to look funny in my beret. Everybody down here is wearing babushkas. <laughs> All right, gents. Uh, welcome to third class. Who are you? The steward and chance. Oh, will you show Mr. Benny to his cabin? Cabin? You mean hammock, don't you, bud? <laughs> well, all right, to his hammock. That's better. What's your number, Buster? Number? Yeah, didn't you get a number with your ticket? My ticket? You're third class, ain't you? Well... Jack, you... <laughs> You must be third class. I'll check. Steward. Yeah? Is the coast clear? Yeah. Sam sent me. (laughs) Oh, Sam sent you. Oh, that's two flights down. Two more flights? Yeah, go through the decompression chamber and turn left. (laughs) Come on, Fred. What is this? Who is Sam? A sailor I met at Roseland. He said if I ever went on the Queen Beulah to mention his name. Here we are, Fred. Put the bags down. Gosh, it's dark in here, Jack. It sure is. Hey, Jack, something is licking my face. <laughs> no kidding? It's a cow. Why, the place is crawling with cows. Good, I'll have fresh milk all the way over. (laughs) Jack Benny, the star of the Lucky Strike program. (laughs) You think you are on the contented hour. (laughs) Fred, not so loud. How can you travel down in the bottom of this boat? No room, no bed. Fred, quiet. Well, you can't stay in here with all of these cows. They can't do this to you, Jack Benny. I'll get the cap. Fred, will you shut up? Shut up. You're going to England, aren't you? Yes. You've got your ticket, haven't you? Well, you <laughs> haven't got a ticket. I knew you were cheap, but going to Europe as a stowaway. Look, Alan, give me my nightingale and go already. <laughs> Benny, you can't get away with this. The captain will find you down here with all these cows, and then what are you going to say? Moo.
thank Jack Benny for dropping in. After tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we won't be here to remind you that your Ford dealer extends you a standing invitation to stop in and let him show you the new Ford. He'll be glad to have you get inside a new Ford and handle the controls. And he will also explain the new engineering features to you. Everyone saying the new Ford is the car of the year. You'll say the same thing after you visit your Ford dealer. Thank you, and good night until October 3rd. Thank you. Good night. Stay tuned for Inner Sanctum next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. All righty then, enough laughs. How about some chills? We should get some seeing our next show is Inner Sanctum. Powder present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host, Raymond, inviting you in through the squeaking door. Well, it's so nice of you to come here tonight and uh, help me sit up with the corpse. Hey, such dull company, so cold and stiff, bored with being dead. All the uh, life seems to have gone out of him. What? You say you've seen him before? Oh, no, he's not that horror man who plays in pictures. But he does look like him. So much so, in fact, you might even call him a dead ringer. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight's Inner Sanctum Mystery, Voice on the Wire, is an original radio drama by Robert Sloan and stars Miss Leslie Woods in the role of Geraldine Reeves. It's produced under the direction of Hyman Brown. No doubt the telephone is an ingenious invention, but uh, as far as I know, no one as yet has been able to commit murder over it, although many people have wanted to. Still, there are worse things you can get on the phone than the wrong number, especially if you happen to call the voice on the wire. On a long, narrow island just off the shore of one of our larger lakes, Mrs. Geraldine Reeves, widow of the late composer David Reeves, lives alone in a gaunt, gray, shingled house. Only a few hundred yards away are the charred remains of her former home where David was burned to death in a fire just two years ago. It's after dinner now. And as the clock in the hall strikes eight. You've got to get hold of yourself, Geraldine. I can't help it, Doctor. You see, it starts every night. About this time. What starts? The music. David's last composition. I hear it being played on a piano. And the notes seem to come from the old house, the house where David died in the fire. Well, perhaps someone is playing that piece on the piano. Someone on the island. No. No, there's only one other house out here, and those people are away. And the dog. The dog keeps howling all night long. What dog? I don't know. There's no dog on the island, but David and I did have a dog. 
You remember? He stayed with David the night of the fire. He died with him because David was too ill to get out of bed. There! There it is again! It's amazing. It's a real dog. Somewhere on this island. Oh! Do you think so? Why, of course. Probably some stray got across the bridge or swam over from the shore. Well, you see, I... Oh, excuse me, Doctor. Sir. Hello? Hello. This is Geraldine Reeves. Yes, speaking. Who is it? Listen. Good heavens! We were in the house. Well, try my car, Doctor. I think perhaps I'd better. Is it in the garage? Yes, yes, I'll Great heavens, it's gone. The garage is empty. The car's been stolen. Now, let's not lose our heads, Geraldine. But... We're not completely cut off yet. We can't use a car. We can still walk. But it's almost a mile to the bridge, and the road is so dark down along the water. It won't be too dark with a flashlight. We can go down through the woods to the edge of the water and walk along the shore. Oh, wait a minute. What's the matter? I just remembered... David's brother's driving out here tonight. Are they? Yes, and his wife, Laura. They said they'd be here by 8.30, and if we wait for them, they can take us back in their car. What do you think, Doctor? That's safer than trying to make it alone. If we wait right here, perhaps we can watch the bridge and see them coming. Heaven's sake, Geraldine. What are you staring at? The bridge, Doctor. The bridge, look. This end of it's been washed out. <laughs> Crazy searching for a telephone wire in back of the house. If we're seen out here, there's no telling what might happen. Please, please, Charity. We've got to find out where that wire was cut and splice it together again. It's our only chance of reaching the police. But it's almost nine o'clock. We've wasted an hour already. If I'm not out of here by twelve. Stop it, Charity. We... Stop it. Oh. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to. I... What's that? It's the dog again. That confounded dog is tied up around here somewhere. No, no, I didn't mean that. I meant the light on the road. There's a strange light on the road. The headlight of a car. Coming this way. A car? Yes. Quick. Behind the house and stay out of sight. It's turning into the driveway. How could a car have come out onto the island with that bridge out? They're getting out. Oh! Why, it's Harvey and, and Laura. Good heaven. Oh! Harvey! Hello! Harvey! Oh, Harvey! Pete's safe. 
We're all in for... to that door intended to kill me. Jerry, please. How is Laura, Doctor? I'm afraid I can't do anything for her, Harvey. She's passed on. Oh. Laura. Laura, darling. You better not touch the body, Harvey. Oh, leave me alone. You've done enough already, Dr. Prising. I beg your pardon? You'll have a lot of explaining to do when the police arrive, Doctor. I'll tell them how you ran away from me out there before the lights went out. And how you were here in this room when they went on again. Harvey. Don't say things you'll regret later on. Just a moment. Where is the cigarette case Laura had in her hand when the lights went out? What cigarette case? You know the one I mean, Dr. Prising. The gold one that was charred in the fire. I haven't the faintest idea what you're talking about. I have. But if you're as innocent as you claim to be, you won't mind being searched. Not at all. Go right ahead. I will. Whom are you calling, Geraldine? The police. I understand why they haven't arrived yet. It's almost ten o'clock. Maybe something's happened to them on the way. Maybe their car broke down. Their car, too? Huh? Nothing. Only it seems as if your car is the only one that works when you want it to. Headquarters. Oh, Sergeant. Sergeant, I can't understand why you men aren't here yet. A murder's been committed. Do you think you've been calling the police department all this time, Mrs. Reeves? Dave, it's music. at this door with your ear to the keyhole? No, not exactly. I thought you were supposed to be outside, looking for that door. I was outside for a while. But I saw someone moving around in here, so I came back. And I got here. Your wife's body was gone. What? what? Gone? Your... Laura's body? Gone? I assume that it's gone. It's not where it was on the floor. <laughs> But how could... Look here, Percy. You were alone in this room. And so were you. After I left. Wasn't it, Geraldine? Well, yes, now that I think back, he was. Certainly. What's more, 
Geraldine saw me leave the house. And when I left, the body was still here. After that, I don't know what happened. What are you driving at? Draw your own conclusions. I've drawn mine. Why, you... Bobby, stop it! Stop it! Uh... I'm sorry, Jerry. I just... The dog again. Yeah. I can't understand why you didn't find that dog, Dr. Prising. He must be right out there where the old house used to be. But if you think you can find him, why don't you go? Good heavens, man. Look. There's a fire burning out there. On the grounds of the old house. Prising, you started that fire yourself and you're burning Laura's body and it's covered up your crime. Harvey, where are you going? I'm done with the fire, Jerry. I've got to stop it. I've got to put it off. I'm going to lose my mind if someone doesn't stop these awful things from happening. Won't anybody help us? Easy, Geraldine. The man who hopes to kill you was trying to break you down first. It's part of his plan. Here. Take a sip of this brandy. It'll help you. All right, thank you, Doctor. I... What's the matter? Oh, nothing, really. I just don't care for any brandy just now. What's wrong with it? Well, I, I, I didn't say anything was wrong with it. I, I just don't... You fool. Do you think I'm trying to poison you? I don't know what to think. Here. Give me that brandy. I'll drink it myself. There. Leave me now? I don't believe anyone. Listen to me, Geraldine. I'm the best friend you have in the world right now. You've got to understand that. Because there isn't much more time. We've got to get away from Harvey while he's still out there. What do you mean? Can't you see? He's trying to kill you. That's a lie. It isn't, Geraldine. Harvey's the one that's lied to us. He and Laura both. They intended to kill you when the lights went out. But in the darkness, Harvey made a fatal mistake. He thought it was you he was strangling, not Laura. I won't believe it's that. It's the truth. They never drove across that bridge at nine o'clock tonight. They've been here on the island all evening. How do you know? Because we saw that bridge with our own eyes. And I saw it again just five minutes ago. It's still down. You're lying. Come out and see it for yourself. You're just trying to get me out of this house. Stop being such a fool. Here. Take this gun. If it'll give you any security, take it. And hold it in my back while we're out there. But for heaven's sakes, let's get away from Harvey while there's still a chance. All right. Give me the gun. Here. Now, you keep in front of me all the time. And I'm warning you. If you make one false move, I'll kill you in cold blood. You see? Harvey and Laura were lying to us. The bridge is still down. You're right. They couldn't have come across that bridge. Of course not. The only trouble is, we can't get back over it now either. We've got to get away, Doctor. Now, before we're seen. What about that house at the other end of the island? People away. But they might have a boat. Yes, of course they do have a boat. We can row to the mainland. Come on, quick. All right. I have a feeling we're being followed. It's your imagination. Hurry, Geraldine. Hurry. We are being followed, Doctor. Look behind us. There's a man with a dog. It's just like the dog you owned. The one that died in the fire. Yes. And the man... It stays... Lost them. Lost them in the woods. I can't be far behind. It doesn't matter now. The house is just ahead. Put the boat, Doctor. 
The boat's not at the landing. It must be. Well, it isn't. Can't you see it isn't? Perhaps it's around and back. No, that side of the house faces the road. Then you have to break in and hide here until morning. Our best chance is to be inside. We can protect ourselves. After all, you still have a gun. How do you know how to use it? And give it to me. No. You still don't trust me, do you? I don't know, Doctor. But I'm the one who's been threatened, so I really should have the gun. Very well. Wait here. I'll break through the window and come around on the inside. Did you hurt yourself? No. I'm all right. Just wait there for me and I'll unlock the door. Oh, hurry, Doctor. Please, hurry. They're on our trail again. Come inside, Geraldine. Quickly. And lock the door behind you. What's wrong, Doctor? Nothing's wrong. We're in luck. There's a phone here. If it hasn't been disconnected. Hello. Hello, operator. This isn't the operator. Tell Mrs. Reeves it's 11 o'clock. She has one more hour to live. I won't leave this house. I'm not going to run away any longer. If they're going to kill me, let them come here and do it. Only for heaven's sakes, why don't they do it right away? Why don't they come here and get it over with instead of waiting until 12 o'clock? Geraldine, please. Well, I can't stand it any longer. I'd rather die than go through any more of this torture. I just... Sit down for a moment. Relax. And try to ease your mind. Oh, What are you doing? Playing the piano. I thought it might relax you. But that melody. You. You were the one I hear at night playing David's music. Playing it right here in this house. Yes, Geraldine. I rent this house. To protect you from David. And the dog. Well, stop it. Stop playing that piece. Stop it. Now, stay where you are. Stay... Don't be afraid. I won't harm you. As long as you have that gun. But the gun won't stop David. David's dead. Is he? Listen. He's right outside the door. And in a moment, he'll be here to take you with him. No! Everything you've done. Stop! You killed me, didn't you, darling? You started that fire because you knew I was too much of an invalid to get out of bed. Stay where you are! You hated me, Geraldine. Stop! No. Your bullets can't harm me now. Nothing you can do can harm me. Because I'm dead and you're still alive. David. David, forgive me. I, I didn't know what I was doing that night. Please, please believe me. I was sorry as soon as I started that fire, but it was too late then. I couldn't put it out. I, I couldn't. How dare you? How dare you ask my forgiveness when you're still lying? But I'm not lying. I'm not. I, I told you everything. Why didn't you tell the police? Because I wanted to live. You'll confess everything now? Yes, David. Yes, yes, I will. If you'll only leave me alone, please. Please. It was my cigarette case, Laura, found in the water. I'd thrown it over the bridge that same night after I took it out of the fire. Well, I, I guess that's all we need, Harvey. Full confession. 
with two witnesses. Harvey! Yes, Geraldine. I do look like my brother in this dim light. And the dog Laura's holding outside is the same breed as the one you own. No! No, Laura! Did you say Laura was alive? Very much so, Geraldine. It wasn't hard for me to pretend being dead. With the doctor keeping you away from my body. Then you were all in this together. You forced this confession out of me. Yes, Geraldine. The blank cartridges Dr. Pricing slipped into that gun of yours really turned the trick. Oh, excuse me. Hello. Oh, hello, Inspector. Yes, it's all right now. You can hook the wires up again. She's told us the truth. And you'd better get to work on that bridge right away. It's uh, still down. What an outrage. All those opportunities for murder and not a drop of blood spilled all night long. Oh, well. Some days you can't lay away a corpuscle. Time for me to join the moonbeams now. But before I leave under a cloud, before I'm missed, I thought I might pass on the moral of tonight's story. If you must light a fire under your husband's bed, be careful where you drop the ashes. By the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery novel is Puzzle for Puppets by Patrick Quentin. Well, now it's really time to close that there squeaking door until next week when Colgate Tooth Powder brings you another Inner Sanctum mystery. So until then, good night. Pleasant dreams. Uh... Remember another Inner Sanctum mystery next Wednesday night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Shadow, followed by The Lone Ranger. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.